You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. You're listening to The Overflow with MC Brooks on GGR Pirate Radio. Swing a fly ball, center field deep. Bellinger going back to the warning track, to the wall. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a grand slam here in the 10th inning of game five. The Nationals seven, the Dodgers three. Do you believe it? Pull the lever, Frank. Run lever. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to a brand new episode of The Overflow with MC Brooks here on the GGR Podcast Network. I'm your host, MC Brooks. Got a really, really dope episode planned out and I got a very special guest with me for this episode. But before we get into all of that, I want to make sure you all follow, excuse me, make sure you go to our website. We are at greatgeekrefuge.com where you can find earlier episodes of this podcast. You can find episodes of some of our other podcasts, such as At The Diner and The Gamer Den. And we have a ton of other content, like articles and reviews and editorials and so on and so forth. Uh, speaking of which, make sure you go and follow us on all of our social media. We are Great Geek Refuge on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a very active Facebook community. And if you would like to support us and toss us a couple dollars, we're on Patreon under Great Geek Refuge as well. So uh, <laughs> keep keep track of that. So uh, tonight, going to be discussing a ton of different things and I have a very special guest that I'm excited to, to have on. They go by Cheyenne Davis, and I say they because they use they, them pronouns. Keep that in mind. And they are a writer, content creator, educator, storyteller, and blurred. Hone in on the blurred part because we are going to definitely talk about some blurred stuff over the course of this episode. But with that being said, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Hey, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. This is very, very long, long, long overdue. <laughs> so uh, because my audience is is uh, unfamiliar with you, I want to give you an opportunity for us to or for you to tell us about yourself. Now, these are things that I know. So you are you are definitely going to be speaking to my audience here. So as far uh, one of the first things I listed is that you are a writer. Now, what are the, some of the things that what are some of the topics that you like to write about or that you have been writing about? Um, so I use the term writer loosely because I don't just do journalism, even though most people know me for my journalistic work. Mm -hmm. Um, my love for writing and my interactions with writing have gone way beyond before, excuse me, I've started way before I even started doing journalism. Um, so I, in terms of my journalistic work, I, I personally do a lot of work around like social justice and how it intersects with things like sex, kink, um, body inclusivity, fatness, blackness, um, queerness, and, and transness slash being gender expansiveness. Um, I've also talked a lot about how these things intersect with media because I, my master's program was about media and my thesis was about how um, the representations of fatness are lacking in media. And, and I've also taught a course at NYU about marginalized identities of media and how white supremacy um, continues to subdue and subjugate those who are um, marginalized, whether it be based on your ability, based on your size, based on your race, mm -hmm. your, your socioeconomic status, so on and so forth. Um, 
in terms of the other type of writing that I've been doing recently, I've more so been shifting towards doing more writing about anime and video games. Mm-hmm. So some of my last pieces have been about um, the 20th anniversary of, of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which was last December. Mm-hmm. Um, and, talk, and I talked about how that was an impactful game for Black people, because I know myself, that was a very impactful game for me growing up as a kid. Um, I also talked about the 10th anniversary of Skyrim um, in, in last November and how that impacted Black people and how Black people saw it. solace from the game especially during the time of covid and how returning to the game really gave people primarily black folk peace and just talking about their experiences i also talked about um cowboy bebop which is one of my favorite anime and we're going to get to that later Mm -hmm. but um basically talking about how um cowboy bebop possibly has afrofuturist leanings um there are a lot of people that didn't agree with that and i don't really care because most people that didn't agree were white so like i don't give a fuck (laughs) but and of course i'm expecting for y'all to be (laughs) against it because y'all don't fucking know anything Thing. and afrofuturism is not about white people it's literally about black people and our features exactly. um but i just talked about how cowboy bebop had a lot of afrofuturist um themes and how um from the jazz music to the themes about what the future looks like or what the future holds and even having like black or brown presenting um characters within the, yep. the storyline um how that all intersects um I'm currently writing more on the fiction side too, because I wanted to get back to that because again, writing has been my first love in life and fiction moreover has definitely been um, the apple of my eye since, since childhood. So I um, have been, I've been writing a fantasy story about a non-binary witch who's black um, and she, they don't understand their abilities because um, their whole family is known to be to be powerful witches, but they don't, they're known as the one witch that has like an ability to speak to animals, and a lot of their family makes fun of them for it and discredits mm-hmm. their abilities for it. But throughout the, but also coinciding with that storyline, um, there is this underlying theme of or underlying plot point of witches going missing, and people were not really reporting it because it was black witches. But now that it's white witches going missing, the whole world is just stopping to see what's going on. And my, the main character, their name is Jeterica. Um, Jeterica plays a huge part in how, uh, in understanding what's happening with these witches and why they're going missing and things like that. But that doesn't really happen until later in the novel. Mm-hmm. So I've been posting that on Wattpad. Um, I've only had two chapters up. It's called Secrets of the Arcane. And I know I should have said that earlier, but I, I <laughs> definitely have undiagnosed ADHD. So sometimes I work backwards. So um, good. Same here. Um, and you know, that's a whole other conversation. Black people have an undiagnosed um mental illnesses because people because we have we're trained to mask them but mm-hmm. i digress whole nother podcast whole nother topic <laughs> um but uh it's called secrets of the arcane um and yeah i'm excited to write more about it and that is also um in my links too if y'all want to check that out yeah i mean so i'm i'm very intrigued and so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna work backwards because uh, i had a question i want to ask and then i'm going to ask something specific about that sure. so as, as, as far as uh your writing how long have you been writing because you say you've been doing it for a very long time so uh how like what got you into writing and how long have you been doing it um so i'm turning 28 in september i've been writing since i was like seven or six so about over 20 years um almost 21 years uh and what got me into writing my mom was a writer but she never really like did anything with it because she she would start but never finish and that was somebody I admired my older mm-hmm. sister is also a write, writer and I admired admired her writing as well but what really got me into writing is that I always had an imaginative spirit I always had like this wild imagination and never knew how to articulate it always especially verbally 
But then, um, and I wasn't the best drawer either. So I figured I don't really want to draw it. I didn't really feel an affinity for drawing or, or, or coloring and things like that. Like I would mm -hmm. do it, but it was just never like something that's piqued so much interest. So I, I found a love in writing because I just started writing and I knew I loved to read um, as a kid. And then once I realized that I could write, it was, it was over. And what, what, what about kind of what, what exactly got you or shifted you towards doing something that's kind of fantasy based? Cause you said that the character you, you created, you know, as a witch and whatnot. So like, where did that come from? Um, I've always had a, a affinity for fantasy novels. And truthfully, I was playing around with what type of novel I wanted to write because I was tired of doing journalism because actually I'm on a hiatus from journalism. I haven't mm -hmm. written an article since um, February, not even January. Um, so, and I'm thinking about going back because number one, money, because niggas got to get paid, niggas got to <laughs> right. pay, pay their rent. And like, it's, it's supplementary income for me because I'm not teaching during the summer, but also right. because like, I have some ideas in mind that I would like to write and put some articles out, especially with all the things that are happening now. Mm -hmm. um, but what got me into writing fantasies because I just feel like black stories are not are not a part of that lexicon. And when you look at the genre of fantasy, even when you look at places like Wattpad, first of all, white Wattpad is child almost called a white pad, and the reason why I almost <laughs> called a white pad because it's very white Wattpad. <laughs> so Freudian slip Wattpad. Also, but in turn, all intents and purposes of this podcast, we're going to call it white pad white because pad. It's, it's excruciatingly white. Um, and when you see the black, uh, Marcus, when you see the black stories on Wattpad, they're all like the stereotypical urban erotica stories, which I right. mean, everything has its place in time and I'm not discrediting that genre, but to only relegate black stories to that and to not really highlight black stories that are in other genres because there are black stories about fantasy. There are black stories about a bunch of things, but they're not being prioritized because white people don't want to prioritize them. Right. And truth be told, um, I'm having a hard time getting traction on my story. Um, and even on another site that I posted on, which is similar to Wattpad, also very white too, um, unfortunately, because there aren't, there aren't really any like writing communities that are predominantly what black. Um, somebody even mentioned like, oh, I just feel like your paragraphs are too long or oh, like they gave me a four out of five, but didn't really explain why they couldn't just give me a five because I felt like my story was great. But then when I read right. theirs, it was, no tea no shade it was shit so like and i'm, not, <laughs> and I'm saying that objectively because number one I, I teach a course about media so i definitely understand how media works but number two like i was also being petty labelle because it's like why you try to come for my shit so right. I'm, I'm gonna be honest i'm a little petty but like I, I gave them what they gave me but just recognizing that of course the person's not going to give me a perfect score because this person is white that's judging my work they're not going to understand a story about a black about black witches and how they feel forlorn and feel un unseen and unheard because mm -hmm. their stories are being overshadowed by the white people that are missing when black people have been missing for the longest exactly not, so like i have to i have to understand that the demographic is really not there for my story not saying that traction won't come to my story because it will it's still very early in its own progression mm -hmm. being that it's only two chapters out but at the same time i also have to understand that or i see and recognize excuse me that it's not going to gain the traction that I'm seeking on certain platforms because it's not meant for that. It's meant for white people in their stories. Exactly. No, I, I agree. I agree a hundred, a hundred ten percent. I'm also working a store on a story myself, um, which is why I was I was asking a little bit about this because uh, I've had this I've had this fantasy story in my head like since high school. Mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, uh, watching anime, mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
be, like being very into like JRPGs and and mm-hmm. and, and, and and like like Final Fantasy and uh, Chrono Cross and all that good stuff. And I've always seen like it, as much as I've always enjoyed that, I've always been like, why can't we ever get stories like this but in black? You know, right? Because like, what? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Like, what? Like, why? is our include if we're if we, if we are included there's one of us there's one of us <laughs> there's there's one of us and even in that one of us it it may you know even still be giving into a ton of like stereotypes like mm-hmm. barrett from final fantasy 7 yeah, oh, oh, we can talk love, we can talk about barrett we like, can talk like, about barrett please. like i love barrett because i love i love characters who are with the shits and he is absolutely with the shits but it, it, it like big angry black dude with an attitude issue and a gun for a hand like that's protecting everyone especially a <laughs> yeah. white woman tifa so like yeah. doesn't the other thing too doesn't have doesn't have a black wife or daughter or sure, excuse me black sure child don't. like like so yeah it's lit he's literally one of a kind even one of my favorites tales of a rise which is made it just made such a huge impact on me in just the last year but there's one black character in it and he's the only black character in there. Mm. And keep in mind too, that like, that's just, that's just bringing up the racial aspect. It's, we're not even talking about uh, characters that may, that may not be men or women uh, characters, that that may, that may, characters that may be attracted to the same gender or people of all genders or, you know, whatever the case may be like, it, the, these stories are often like very binary. It's, yeah, this is it's often largely, I'll say fair skinned because some of these characters aren't exactly white, but fair skinned. Yeah. And, and straight. And yeah. So, like with my series, like I haven't really, I, I've been doing just a ton of legwork even before really diving into the meat of the story. For sure. I want to make sure that I, I do, I do it justice. Like I made sure, like, both of like most of my main characters are plus size because we never we also never see like plus size people get to wield swords and do have cool fights and no, wield magic don't. and cool shit like that. Like these niggas are almost always toothpaste uh, toothpick thin, <laughs> and and, right. and I'm like we we need to have more of that. I, I have I have two two characters that are non-binary in my in my in my story, and I, I'm having and most of my characters are dark skinned. I'm making I'm in like that it's an intentional thing because I think too with a lot with 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 people who are writing these stories like we have to be very intentional about the things that we add in that we put in to make sure that we're reaching these audiences so that people like yourself people like me people like people we know can see ourselves represented and and like the other thing too uh because much like we're you mentioned like the urban erotica being a thing we're also getting a ton of like superhero stuff lately and then this is i like i love superhero stuff so i'm not navigating against it but i would like to see us in other stuff too like doing stuff for like sure having, like, witches or being fae or just have ma- having magic ability like imagine game of Thro- imagine game of thrones with black you know like some like stuff like like stuff like that like it doesn't I'm, I'm happy with all the superhero stuff we're getting and i love it i support all of it too but i want to see us in more fantasy stuff too i agree i'm i'm very excited for this new witcher series that has the black woman lead that's coming out that's a prequel i'm very like we, i want I more that. stuff like i want more more and more more and more stuff like that because i think i think that that's dope for sure um, and um yeah. even for my story like um 
Jeterica is not only a, a fat non-binary person, but they, they're obviously they're queer because they're non-binary and they have a gender fluid partner who's also black. Um, there's a bunch of other black and, and trans and, and, and non-binary and queer folk and disabled folk um, that are gonna be in the story and not just witches, but also vampires, but also fae folk, but also just a bunch mm-hmm. of different folk that I wanted to include because again, black people should be, black people are deserving of and are in need of having a whimsical experience and having an imaginative experience something that we can talk about complex issues but also experience some joy in too so like i, I definitely exactly. feel like we need nuance in our storytelling that we're not really receiving and not, we're not being seen in and that erasure alone is rooted in white supremacy so i i definitely hats off to you kudos kudos to you for for developing the story um i am excited to see what it turns into um and that's very exciting to be making content and just making things that are intentionally black and intentionally inclusive because we don't have, we don't have shit like that. Exactly. And and, and, and the shit that we do have is very one note. Even in Castlevania, um, Isaac was one of the only black people on the show, and, and they mm-hmm. made him very standoffish. They made him very like, I don't know, you know, like it's given very much like. I don't know. And also it could possibly be because isn't he voiced by Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is. So I'm thinking that could just be him because any character Lakeith plays is always a weird, given weird black boy. Yeah. And I have comments <laughs> about him, but again, whole nother podcast, whole nother conversation, but like, I don't want stereotypically black storylines too, because I think yeah. it have been a great character. I just feel like it was very one noted. And even when I didn't really like Yasuke either. I didn't like how I they did that. I didn't either. I didn't Yasuke, finish it. I, I got three episodes I, in and I was I was done after. How I was, you I, have I no black femmes? Right. Y'all had a robot before y'all had a black woman or a black femme. Riddle me that y'all had a robot before y'all had a black a black uh, a black femme or black people that were not men or women. Mm-hmm. Y'all didn't have nobody except he was one of the only black people on that show. Exactly, and 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 see that that also speaks to why we need more black people in that space creating stuff too, like. For sure. uh, did you were did you go to the RDC World panel at because I know you were at Anime NYC and we mm-hmm. missed each other unfortunately but did you go to the RDC World panel? What did, day was that on? That was fr- it was one of the first things on Friday. It was like Friday. Oh, I, I only had a Saturday ticket. Oh, okay. So like this kind of speaks to like I was very excited to see them because I like I love to see black people doing anime content and winning and they're funny and like I I support them. I like I like the stuff they do. So like while they were while they were there though they revealed that they that they themselves are working on an anime and they're they're doing it um, in production with East both Issa Rae and Michael B Jordan which I, I think love is, that which I think is super dope because I I want to see like I'm I, like one I'm happy that Issa and Michael B Jordan regardless of whatever issues he may have uh, but I'm I'm happy that the two of them are all like they see that you know that this is an area that black people can be into animation sure. animation content specifically anime content in particular like sure. I, i'm happy that they that they recognize that and they're willing to throw their their power and their influence and their money behind doing it but i say it because they revealed a little bit about like the anime that they're working on that's supposed to come out for, uh, for hbo and i just kind of loved the diversity within the cast of characters that they had that they had uh, black characters of all sizes, of all shades, that were all part of this. That are all part of the show, and like it's not, it's not, it's not 
it's not like how shonen it doesn't appear on the surface like most shonen anime you know does because you know it's, it's obvious most men you know tend to make shonen stuff for reasons they do um, yeah <laughs> but like yeah. it, it, it seemed just based on the stuff that they were saying it made me happy to hear that they like that they weren't doing the thing where okay we're gonna have one we're gonna have one you know non-man one female presenting character one one girl character and she's gonna be light-skinned and you know she's just gonna be the only one amongst all of these others and it was like no like the the because i i really wish i could remember i really wish i could remember the details they went into but it, it made me happy to show that even they were being very intentional with like the the uh the non-men characters that they had they were they were going to have as part of their show and i'm hoping that that becomes more of a trend is like we have more black anime studios that are popping up yeah. as we have um there was i can't remember the dude there was a guy who um uh who was who was at the black voice actor panel um who has a studio and i i want to say they were the studio that did yasuke or it may have been, they may have done something else i mean personally i wouldn't i wouldn't want to claim yasuke if that was my company but um, <laughs> but it made me happy that to, to, to hear and i'm hoping that that you know becomes a trend that we start to see more black people like in these areas and making very intentional choices about the way that is depicted because um i like as someone who watches anime i'm sure you've come across this too you'll be watching something you'll be very into it and then out of nowhere blackface <laughs> and yeah. it's like oh god why like i was watching uh love chinibio and other delusions it was uh i watched it it was one of the first things i watched when the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and it was like there was this one character he's not a main he's not a main character he there was there this episode and like episode it was like episode three where he's forced to cut his hair off because he like uh, he like lies about you know uh, having ends with all these girls and whatnot. Uh, so they cut his hair. It's like really short. Uh, it's kind of it, like if like it, it it was almost like they gave him a mini fro of sorts. But it was mm -hmm. like okay, you know whatever. This is just they're they're doing it for a gag. Okay, because you know you always kind of expect some sort of racism with with anime. You just kind of whatever because it comes with the platform. Sure. But then you come, then like at the end of season two, this nigga randomly shows up and is just dark skinned for no reason. Mm -mm. And I'm like, mm -mm. why is he like, why is he like, why is he dark skinned? Why? And they tried to play mm -hmm. it off like, oh, he just, you know, he just got a tan, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, no. No, 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 there's, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. He went from Tony Stark to Rhodey. Like, this is no. This, there's a very clear complexion, uh, complexion issue. No, and it's just, it's just like so. I'm hoping that with more black people getting into these areas, uh, you know that you know these things, uh, you know, sort of, you know, not become as prevalent as they, uh, as they have been, you know, in in the anime community in particular. Now, uh, as far as your as far as your story, you said you're only a few chapters in. So, um, what's your what's your writing process like? Are 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 you you know just like do you set aside time to do it? Do you wait for inspiration? Do you have like most of your story kind of mapped out? Are you just getting a feel that's for a, it? That's a good question. Um, I actually just write what I'm feeling at the moment and try to go with it that way. Sometimes I do mm -hmm. like a storyboard process, but for this story, I'm not. I'm kind of just letting it evolve the way that it should. Um, and just writing when I get inspiration because like I, I work so much it's very difficult to set aside time for writing but I'm trying to make that a goal right. that I do try to set aside time like once a week to write because I think that's very important and it's also very liberating for me because it's 
it's more so writing for fun. It's not so much writing like articles for, for pay or anything like that. Um, I also, in terms of the process, like I like to make sure that I'm relaxed. So I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll smoke a bowl. I'll listen to some music. Um, I'll listen to music that I'm trying to, uh, that I'd like to set a mood. Like I'll, I'll make sure that I'm in my best self so that I can write the best thing. And if I don't like it per se, there's always been times where I've gone back and be like, you know, I want to tweak some things or change some things. And I do. Um, but I, the one thing I like about this type of writing is that I can explore different things and, and not feel ashamed about it and not feel like, oh my God, like if, if I don't change this or if I put this, people are going to hate me or, oh my God, like, um, what is my editor going to think? It's more so about what is Cheyenne going to think and how are they going to perceive their writing? And that's, and it's about more so pouring into myself and really enjoying the process and not so much worried about how the process is going to matriculate to something or what's the outcome. Yeah, no, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And I'm, I'm, I've like I, I haven't written a story in a long time. But when mm-hmm. I was writing stories uh, consistently many, many moons ago, mm-hmm. my process was virtually the same. It was, how am I feeling today, and that, and that's going to dictate where I decide to make decisions as far as right. like my characters or the story or the the inclusion of uh, of stuff. So, um. One of the last things I'll ask you on this before we, we move on, um, mm-hmm. wh- why witches in particular? Was there a reason you specifically chose, uh, you know, a, a black witch in particular, or was it just you just thought that'd be a cool medium for it? I think I watched something and I got and it was very white. And I'm like, why the fuck are we only seeing white witches? Oh, no, I know what it was. So um, I used to be a big Harry Potter fan, still mm-hmm. am. But like, I find it very difficult to separate the artist from the art. Yeah. Um, and being that J.K. Rowling is a vile human being, um, yeah. is very and also very not only is she transphobic but also it just seems like she's pretty racist too. Because how you have a school a school of witches a story about a school of witches in London and don't have predominantly black and brown folk in it, right? Like that makes absolutely no sense. So like I, I was I, I just couldn't get down with that anywhere either. So I'm like you know what? Not trying to be the next Harry Potter because that's not my goal, right? But like trying to make something that makes sense for black people and black, oh, there won't be only black people there'll be white people stuff in the story too obviously but like i really wanted to focus on black people primarily people who lack desirability because we don't get our stories told oh no i agree a, a thousand percent and, and first and foremost like i'm i'm I, i'm not a harry potter fan but i know a lot of people who are and that franchise is carried by the fandom like as long as i've known Harry it Potter, really it's is. been it's been the fans that have been carrying it, whether it's it really through fan, whether it's through fan fiction, uh, fan art. I mean, like I used to be on fanfiction.net, like same. I, I used to write fan fiction. <laughs> same, same, uh, same. And I I used to I remember just seeing like that Harry Potter section would always just be so bloated as far as having, yeah, like having a ton of new stories that would just be coming out yep. year uh day like daily like it, it was yep. it would be absolutely crazy so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I, like I'm I'm super so like I, I get that, but I also I also agree uh, because I I think in in J.K. Rowling's case you absolutely can do that. Like it's like kudos for creating this, but the fandom is carrying it because the fandom, you know, under seems to understand you know a lot of the, the allegories and the stories and themes in your story better than you do. Yeah, and, they know the lore better. I feel yeah. like the fan base just all you need is the lore and then you can mm-hmm. take it wrong because again i actually wrote an article about how um how writing fan fiction was affirming for me as a person um 
And I talked a lot about when I was when I was younger writing fan fiction and how like I was writing like Final Fantasy fan fiction. I was writing like fan fiction about Naruto and Bleach and like all all these other anime. Like it was really, it's really truly like you just need the lore, and then once you get the lore, you can start implementing your own twists and spins and and, and influence into it. So I absolutely agree that what's really carrying um, almost every fan base, if not oh. all, um, but is in in particular harry potter is truly the fan base oh yeah i agree and i also agree with your second point too because that's that's just a theme we see with white writers just in general whenever they imagine fantasy especially with futuristic stuff in particular where it's like oh we just imagine this perfect future where there's been all these advances in technology but somehow all of the non-white people just i guess disappeared except for like 10 of them and that's 10 across the entire spectrum of that world. For sure. And so it's like, like, why are y'all not imagining us in there? Like, it, it's one of the things that was frustrating about, like, Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know if you, did you watch that? Um, I, I'm Honestly speaking, I'm not really a fan of DC films. I like the DC shows better. Understandable. Um, <laughs> but... But I, like I brought it up because like Wonder Woman 1984 is set in DC and it's set in DC at a time where DC was known as Chocolate City. But somehow, I remember that. somehow, like there are no, there are almost no black people in this entire movie at no point mm. in 1980s DC. Like that is completely wild to me. But it's also not surprising because that's was it's what you come to expect from white people when they are imagining their fantasy. Yeah. That's why that's why yeah. I like when 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 I've talked about my story to people and I'm like. I don't really have a ton of white people in my world. Like I, I don't really care how anyone feels either. about it. Cause I'm like, look, if, if all these people can make these billion dollar franchises that, you know, seemingly have no black people in it or very few black people in it at all, then like, why the hell do I need to have you, in, have, you have y'all in my story for what? Yeah. Y'all already have enough. Yeah. yeah. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Y'all got a ton of stuff as is. So that part, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's transition because you and I was going to transition to the Sonic thing, but I want to ask you something because I also used to write fan fiction. Sure. Uh, like, what what kind of what kind of stuff were you writing? So you you mentioned a couple a couple franchises: Naruto, Final Fantasy, uh, Harry Potter, obviously. Uh, like, what kind of stories were you writing? Do you have anything that anything in particular that you're proud of from your fan fiction days? No, <laughs> <laughs> hell no. Uh, I was I was being very inappropriate and using it as a route to like understand my sexuality and understand a lot like, of lemons yeah hell yeah <laughs> and then when i actually had sex i'm like oh this ain't <laughs> what this does not, not even match up um but like fan fiction for me was more so an outlet to really understand myself as a fat person mm-hmm. as a sexually autonomous person as a black person because i went to a predominantly white high school like i couldn't i wasn't dating nobody i wasn't seeing nobody and people and i was a virgin so like there's a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and insecurity around that and so I use fan fiction as a way to really bridge the gap between myself and my identity. Um, but beside the lemon part, they were, they're mostly um, like alternate universe. Like I would use the world. So for example, right. Uh, in my final fantasy um, fanfic, most of the story took place in, in edge. However, um, there were still other places that I put in there that, that weren't more specific or include more inclusive. Um, so it was, it was, partially um alternate alternative alter excuse me it was partially alternate universe it also um had original characters in it as well mm-hmm. um but other than that like beside the lemon part the citrusy elements aside <laughs> i uh 
it's a lot of it a lot of fantasy a lot of adventure a lot of like um rites of passage to us coming coming of age stories and these are grown-ass people still trying to experience the coming of age right um but yeah and and and, I, and, and most of my characters my main characters are black so black femmes so yeah hey i'm 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 here for it do you have a favorite final fantasy like as far um, as the games um and truth be told like that's not even my favorite franchise but the one that i have the most knowledge of and the one that i enjoy the most is the seventh one Seven. Okay, yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. Seven, so that's, it's a classic. I really enjoyed the 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 game remake that came out uh, last year, two years. Ago. I don't remember when the game came out, um, but I've, I very much enjoyed because I also have an affinity for all of those characters. Mm-hmm. I really think that there was more storytelling, and I wish Square Square Enix hadn't been <laughs> hadn't been so rigid over the years as far as them not wanting to do anything with those characters. We right. got uh, we got Advent Children in two thousand five. Which was a classic. Yeah, which a thousand percent. And Tifa's fight is my favorite part of that. Although I think she, I wish she had won because I, I, because as as great of a fighter as she is, like she obviously she should have won. And I think too with uh, with the remake, the thing I think I like more is they made Tifa and Aerith like fully fledged characters. Characters. And that's the thing I kind of like. I kind of like the most about it because like Tifa was all Tifa was my favorite. I think it was a lot of a lot of boys, a lot of people's favorites for reasons. Um, but I like it, it. Like in in the remake, they they gave her more of a back. They explained more of her backstory. They explained more of her connection to Cloud. Other than they just grew up in the same village together, and and over the course of because the the remake only covers like up until like the end of the first disc of the original game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some cha- there are some cha- there are some changes. Uh, like, do you care if you spoil? Have you played it? Should I no, you can spoil it for me. Okay, yeah. So, like, Aerith doesn't die, which is like the first major thing. Um, my my unpopular take is I was actually okay with her dying in the original because I was. I was okay of, with her dying too because I feel like that added to the plot, though. Yeah, she, I, I thought she was a, she was annoying to me. I, like, I as fuck. <laughs> like, I was more sad about losing my white mage than I was about like her the character dying. But in this one, because she's more fleshed out and she's not she's not as annoying. I'm like, okay, I can I can I can kind of I can kind of get with you being here, and so like I, I I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah, seven seven is a classic. It's not my favorite. My personal favorite is nine. Okay. Um, and I wish I wish nine had gotten more shine. Uh, but nine is allegedly going to get a, like an like an animation a cartoon uh, coming out. So hopefully. Um, Hopefully that's pretty dope. But I have a question for you. Oh, Speaking of Square Enix, are you excited about Kingdom Hearts 4? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I did not like Kingdom Hearts 3. Did not finish it. Um, that's the reason I, I didn't play it. <laughs> okay. Because like, first of all, I just had to get real ugly about this real quick. So I remember when I was at a friend's house and he had Kingdom Hearts 3 and I was like, you know what, let me play it. And that's where I played it and I just never picked it up again. But basically... I was like, I knew niggas wrote this storyline because in the beginning, you literally have like two organization, 13 people playing chess. And, you know, black people love to show intelligence mm-hmm. with, with chess matches. So I'm like, yep. somebody black had to be in the, in, the, in the writer's room because why are they playing chess of all things right now? And to show the intelligence. And that kills me because you see that in power. You see that in the wired, yep. the wire. You see that in so many black storylines. So I thought that was very interesting and very and very comical. But even the, the gameplay, I was like, this, this fucking sucks. I don't like this. Um, and I love Kingdom Hearts. Like I love Kingdom Hearts too. I like Kingdom Hearts one, but then Chain Chain of Memories and all the the, the iterations of shit. I'm like this shit is whack. 
So yeah. to, to see that we have, and even though I own a Kingdom, I just bought a Kingdom Hearts shirt. Even though I own a Kingdom Hearts shirt and I'm really big on the lore and, and, and a big fan of the game franchise, like the first two, um, I'm a little skeptical about how Kingdom Hearts 4 is going to be because like, I don't know, Marcus, I, Kingdom no. Hearts 3 was definitely a letdown for me and I don't want that to be the same thing for Kingdom Hearts 4. I, I heard that from so many people. I've, I've never played, I never picked up Kingdom Hearts 3 because of that. I mean, unfortunately... I never, I, I didn't beat the earlier games. I loved them. I, I, I unfortunately, like, uh, I was, when I was younger, when I, when Kingdom Hearts 1 came out, I was near the end. I was, I was right at the fight, uh, the, your second fight with Riku, the one mm-hmm. before the final boss. And someone broke in while my family wasn't home and like stole my PlayStation. So oh I never, God. never got a chance. I, I never did it. And then because Kingdom Hearts was like hard to acquire, like, uh, with the later generations of PlayStation, I never got a chance to to play it. Now I do I do own it now. I have been playing it kind of sparingly, um, but I, I was always just more enamored with the with the lore of Kingdom Hearts more than the game. Uh, mm, the, the game a lot of people say itself. that um, because I I think I think it's dope. I mean, you you literally have Disney characters and Final Fantasy characters. Literally, what it is like wrapped in this like really convoluted story mm-hmm. um invo- involving some original characters in Sora, Riku and Kairi um which like is dope and like I own I own a keyblade like I am I'm, I'm a huge I <laughs> mm-hmm. I oddly enough I bought a keyblade at Otakon like 15 years ago like that's mm-hmm. how much of a fan of this series that I was but I I didn't hear good things about 3 and it made me go, well, I can kind of wait to play it then because, and as far as four, I don't like, I don't really know. Cause there was, cause the one thing I do remember is Kingdom, back when we had that 15 year wait, um, I remember, I Square, remember Square Enix talking at E3 about Kingdom Hearts 3. And like, if you remember originally, it was supposed to be like a prequel. We were supposed yeah. to learn about what happened with like King Mickey and everything before the events that led up to the events of the first game. Mm-hmm. And then I guess at some point they switched course and, you know, we got what that third game ended up being. Um, but like, what did they change about the gameplay? Like, it's it's not so much the gameplay per se. And honestly, I didn't even get far in the game because I was still in, in, in Olympus like uh, or or in Rome, like I was playing with Hercules. Mm-hmm. Like I was so I, I was so like annoyed that I didn't want to deal with it. But I just felt like the storytelling and it just it just didn't read well. It didn't feel like a I didn't feel excited to play it. Like I just felt like this is I was like, this shit is whack. Like I don't even want to continue with it. Yeah. And it's also a too little too late because they Kingdom waited Hearts, too long. That's what it is. They waited too long to do it. They I'm should like, have been put that out. Right. Like the the fandom that was enamored with this, like we've all grown we've, we've grown all, up. We've grown up. We've gotten to play other franchises that no offense to Kingdom Hearts are better with better, more straightforward and understandable I agree stories. With that. And like we just like I don't know what you what, what you expect what you expect us to do. Like people are gonna check it out for nostalgia, of course. Same. But, but like you waited too long. We've played so much other, we we played so much other stuff that you can't just put out a mid game and expect us to just fall in love with it because that's what it is. It's kind of similar to um, uh, a studio Sony putting out like superhero movies. I'm like, in the early 2000s, in the 90s and 2000s, you could get away with putting out really mid superhero movies because no one was really doing them well anyway. 
Right. Like now we have standards. Like we Marvel has been doing a great job over the last right. decade, last 15 years, making these great movies. DC, while having mostly a ton of duds, has had a t- has had some successes in making really great superhero adaptations. So you right. can't put some mid, you can't just throw a, a name and a costume on screen and just think that people are gonna love it because that's what it is. Like, no, the right. standard has been raised. And with Kingdom Hearts, they need to they need to understand, they need to understand one, please streamline your story because most people are not playing, you know, uh, what is it, 25, eight something, um, or a chain of memories. And I did play chain of memories. It was it was it was fun, but that was the game that was on the PSP and and, and like the, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the Game Boy or uh, not the DS. Was it DS? The, that remember. was on the DS Lite. Okay, yeah. it was the DS. Okay. The DS, yeah. yeah. The yeah, DS they, DS Lite, yeah. They've just got to learn how to like how to how to how to do better. So I agree. Um, I don't know what to expect. Well, I hope they get really wacky. You know, I hope they get really wacky with it. Like now that Disney owns all this stuff, like, hey, let's get extra crazy. Like they're probably gonna put Star Wars in it. They're probably yeah, gonna put Star Wars in it. They're probably gonna put uh Marvel in it. They're gonna put yeah, a bunch put of shit Mar- in it. Why not? Like why not? Like honestly, if you're gonna do it, just go crazy with it. I mean, this is a franchise that has both Winnie the Pooh and Sephiroth. Like dead ass, <laughs> dead ass. Like you can you you can do you can do a little bit more. You can you can go go wild with it. Maybe that'll make up for everything else if the story is just really 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 crazy. But that's really my fear. The same thing that that Square Enix did with uh, Kingdom Hearts is my is pretty much my fear with Bethesda and um and Elder Scrolls Six. Because it's been 10 years and we still haven't had a new game. And they keep talking about how they're developing a game and it's being pushed back because of COVID and things like that. But it's like, okay, how many times are you going to remaster Skyrim? We don't need another remaster game. We just need a new game. So, like, why you just can't give us a new game? But, yeah, I, I, I definitely... Yeah, because it's money. That's that's why. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like the people who who really love Grand Theft Auto. It's why, they keep, it's why they spent almost a decade remastering the same Grand Theft Auto game before finally announcing a new one this year. Cause like, yeah. you know, cause like, why, why, why do better when that one is making money? Um, I mean, they like, I like, I can buy into the whole uh, COVID kind of messing stuff up. Sure. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, that's why the, uh, and th- this could even be a transition point, honestly. But why the new Sonic game, Sonic Frontiers, has gotten had got pushed back to uh, uh, later this year instead of coming out last year because. They ran into a ton of issues during product, excuse me, during production. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's the case, but who knows? Maybe like, I don't know. I haven't played, I've never played Elder Scrolls, but I know a lot of people who really, who really enjoy it. I know a lot of people who love Skyrim. Um, I've been intrigued by it. I've been thinking about picking it up, but uh, I've, I've yet to actually do it. Um. But yeah, actually, we can use that as a as a as a as a good transition point because I know uh, because you interviewed me uh, for the article you did on Sonic Adventure Two, uh-huh. you are a you know a big Sonic fan as well. We we did speak at Absolutely. length about how the importance of that character and that and that franchise in particular. Now, uh, I know that you haven't seen the movie, so I don't. I won't give any spoilers. I won't talk about. The sequel. It is. It is great though, and I'm happy that they did. The, they did the characters justice, which was the thing I was Good. most worried about. Like, are you going to do the characters justice? Knuckles, especially. You. You. You can rest easy. They did our boy justice. Okay. Okay. They did. They did, they did him. 
they did him justice. Um, but, uh, and I just added this to the things we were going to talk about today, because earlier, earlier today at the time of recording, they just announced that the new voice actor for Sonic for the upcoming Sonic Prime series is Black. Yeah. <laughs> it's Black. Uh, the actor goes by Devin Christian Mack, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. And he's the new voice actor for Sonic. And so my uh, the thing I kind of alluded to earlier is I want to I want to give this hot take and I want to get you to kind of react to it. Is Sonic the Hedgehog officially a black franchise now? Because I believe it is. Mm, because thought, because because ooh. hold on, hold on, because Sonic movie, Tika Sumter, Tasha Rothwell. Idris Elba as Knuckles, Shamar Moore in there as well. We just got a black, we just got a black voice actor voicing Sonic for the first time. Like, are like are we are we trending towards Sonic slowly becoming a black franchise? The movie franchise is it's a, it's a black movie. It's almost a black movie because it's more of us than them in it. But what do you think about that? I think. <laughs> I definitely think Sonic has always been a black franchise. Oh, there we um, go, I think Sega has been aware of that. I just don't, I, I, or it's black coded. It may not be black itself, but it's definitely a black franchise. First of all, even the way the music, the music of Sonic, um, and 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 I'm not talking just about uh, from from Sonic Adventure Two, but also even from like like Green Hill Zone, like. It feels black, like even the way it's just structured, it just feels like a black game. Absolutely. Even with, and we've talked about this too, the storylines of characters. Knuckles is canonically black because even this idea that he wants to seek um, his understanding through understanding his ancestors and understanding mm-hmm. how bullshit. they connect with his duty to the Master Emerald. Even just Rouge the Bat being canonically a black woman to me, just the way that she is, she's, she's alone and always have to have to defend for herself, but always trying to have to defend herself and, and also being a master thief and also just being a bad bitch. Um, a thousand percent. <laughs> like it, it, it's given a black, it's given a black story. And even just the music we're going to talk about, just Knuckles' music in particular, the rap music that they use, Aquatic Mind, um, his theme song, Pumpkin Hill. Like the list goes on and on. And then again with Rouge with the jazz music. Oh, I just, yep. And then if you read the comics, because I read the comics, even just the themes that they use in some of the comics and some of the the drawing styles just felt very black to me. Oh, I agree. I agree 110%. I'm, I'm actually in the process of rereading the comics because I, 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 I was so nostalgic for uh, some mm-hmm. of the, some of those stories. And especially since Knuckles is getting a spinoff series, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to just kind of uh, just read. It, it kind of just got me in, in that zone of um, I know it's going to be a while before the series the series comes out. But I'm like, I want to spend some time with with my with my favorite character in particular and you know what the the point you were making about the the music is is also um is big too because it reminds me of you know michael jackson did worked on the the music for sonic 3 back in the day for sega genesis sonic Mm -hmm. 3 and knuckles a a lot now he he went uncredited for it because um he went uncredited because the the deal didn't go all the way to fruition but they Mm -hmm. still ended up using the music that he did and honestly, part of the reason that Sonic 3 and Knuckles hasn't been re-released, at least not until Sonic Origins comes out later this year, is because the Jackson estate has not cleared the music with Sega. Sega mm-hmm. has not had the cl- has not had the clearance. But you have that. There's a there's a there's a theme from one of those older games that sounds very similar to like a Bell Biv and DeVoe song. Mm-hmm. Like they're like they're, they're like they're the influence has been has been there. 
for sure uh, has been there has been there over the years for sure and honestly most of the people i see cosplaying these characters are black also are black people i i ran into i ran into a phenomenal uh black woman who was who was cosplaying as rouge the bat at anime nyc last year and i'm happy that i caught her because i caught her right as it was ending on saturday like right as the the main hall was 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 closing and people were leaving and i had i just had to get the picture because i was like i mean because for one i mean black women are great uh but two like as usual her cosplay was dope and and like, like that when that when I imagine like if when whenever people do like these human versions of the Sonic characters in particular, like Knuckles being black and Rouge being black, it just it just makes sense. It makes it sense. Just, it just it just it just makes uh, it just makes a, a, a ton of sense. Um, but speaking of Rouge, so without spoiling the movie two, uh, Sonic movie three has already has been announced, and I know that you haven't seen the movie, but still after not seeing the movie. Are there any characters or stories because you know Knuckles is in is in Sonic Movie Two, but there are there any other any characters that you would like to see any characters or and or stories that you would like to see pop up in the sequel that's going to be coming out? Um, well, I, I can't say um, the 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 sequel per se, but I'm just thinking in general. There are some characters from the Sonic shows in the franchise that we don't focus on enough. Um, I feel like Rouge the Bat should have her own origin story because we we know more about Knuckles' origin story than we do hers. Um, I also feel like even people like Cream and Big the Cat, we don't get enough about them. Even that character that's obscured Knights, you know, Knights the the Jester. We don't oh, know yeah, a lot. From, of- yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I love it. Those game is awesome. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're always in the Sonic games, and we don't know much about them. Even Amy, I just feel like doesn't have anything outside of being a mallet wielding um obsessed fangirl of sonic slash yeah default girlfriend because he she annoys the shit out of him so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like i i definitely think that we have these um secondary characters even tails having a spinoff would be great too these secondary oh, characters I, that definitely need origin stories and, and definitely had more interactions in the comics because i know i know more about amy from the comics than i do um in the games and in the in the in the, in the movies, absolutely. Um, and even having an Eggman spinoff, understanding his origin story is very important too. So I definitely fish, wish that we have more of those developments because I feel I like Sonic is, is such a great franchise that people are not really familiar with. They're only familiar with the games because they're not familiar with the, the the comics. And I feel like the comics give so much to create, yeah. so much room to create different things. Um, especially if you want to call it a black franchise, because even now seeing that Sonic is a black being voice acted by a black person that changes the game dramatically because it really just reinforces what we've been saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I definitely feel like they should look towards the comics and use that as inspiration for more games, for more content in general. I, so I, I agree 110%. Honestly, You'd be a great guest to have on because there's a podcast I want to do talk specifically talking about the female characters in the Sonic franchise okay. because of because of the things you you just mentioned the fact that like Amy Amy, Amy whether it's the her like when she first popped up in the comics when she, when her character was very big into like tarot and numerology mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, all of that which has since dis- completely disappeared from her and character. disregarded like she yeah. had a whole yeah yeah it's, it's part of the reason that she, it's part of the reason that she met sonic to begin with she tell i remember she tells him when she meets him 
that she was she was doing a reading and it told her that she would meet him at this place at this time. And that's why she that's why she was waiting there for him when they first ran into each other. Mm. So like that, but that part of her character has it's been disregarded. It has never it has never kind of come up again even since. And with the new with the new run of the comics, the IDW comics, which are absolutely fantastic, I'm a huge fan of them because Ian mm. Flynn understands these characters in a way that I feel, like it goes back to like other people understanding characters better uh, better than the creators like Ian Flynn understands these characters better than Seika um just in terms of what he's done in revitalizing so many of them but what I like is the the changes that they made to Amy in the new run where do you remember you remember Princess Sally right yes Amy is 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 similar not it's not a one-to-one thing but more similar to kind of how Princess Sally was, and they've given her a whole entire personality that does that does not revolve around Sonic at all. They she's a te- she's a she's, yeah she's part of. Uh, so did you play Sonic Forces? No, I stopped after Sonic Heroes because I was kind of bored with the games. Yeah, I mean most I, most of them weren't good. And no, Sonic, they weren't. Sonic Forces also not good. However. There are there were really good themes in Sonic Forces mm. um, because it it basically is like uh, Eggman has succeeded he is he he's succeeded in leading an Imperial army and he's taken over the world so now the remaining characters are you're known as the Resistance and you're leading the Resistance to basically take back uh, specific bases of Eggman to try to retake the world over and defeat him it it ha- it has all the makings of a very interesting story the game really dropped the ball because they kind of it was terribly terribly written with some of the worst dialogue you could think of of However, course with that framework though in the new run of the comics they use that as the starting point where sonic has now escaped because sonic had gotten kidnapped and sonic has now escaped and now he's trying to locate where all of his friends are. So the first issues are him running, running into the people that you know and have, and basically getting updates on everything that's going on. He runs into tails, he runs into knuckles, and he runs into Amy. And the story with Amy, I absolutely love because it shows that she is a that she's a full character. And even though she still loves Sonic. So like she still has feelings for him, obviously. With the feelings she has for him, like they they're not her entire personality now. Like she is she she's mm-hmm. a she's a high-ranking member of this resistance. She has been she has been leading liberation efforts to free people from Eggman's uh from Eggman's peoples. Like she like she has like she uses her hammer, she's like a badass fighter. She is in command of where certain uh where certain people uh, in the in the resistance are making moves. And like but like, I feel like that's more that's more aligned with how she should be versus right. reducing her to just be right. It's annoying. Um, I'm chasing after right. Um, Sonic Sonic storyline, and I'm like, that's not fair because even in in the the comics, she had more of a storyline. Exactly. And also, with the thing with the games and the movies, what they fail to miss is that Amy had a whole friendship with with Knuckles. Like they, they oh my they, god, like they oh my god, had, thank you, thank like you. they had yes. a, like she had a whole friendship with Knuckles that we're not going to capitalize off of. How he helped, how she, he kept her grounded, and she made him softer. Like yeah, they, yeah, like, oh like, my god, yes, we don't, like we don't talk about that. 
we you you are you are a thousand you are a thousand percent because honestly the way that Sonic and Tails are canonically like the two best of friends, like obviously they're all that's Amy and together. Knuckles. Amy and Knuckles is the the exact the exact same way, and there's there are so many different moments. Whether it's you know when Amy, it, um, I can't remember the comic it's in, but Amy giving Knuckles that pep talk when he's frustrated when he's beating himself up because the Master Emerald got stolen again, and she gives him that pep talk and really kind of cheers mm-hmm. him up and 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 like allows him to be soft in that moment and and expressing himself and what he's feeling or knuckles high-fiving her and cheering her on after they defeat somebody in in a different issue and the fact that they bond they bond with each other in the the exact way that you mentioned that's that's the that's what i remember you know growing up reading those comics is is the two of them and i want to see more of that so like just personally i hope amy ends up in the next movie because I want to see that. Like I, I want, I want. I, for, I mean, firstly, the movie needs more female representation, anyway. Period. Uh, be, you know, like. <laughs> uh, but you have these great characters. You have Amy. You have Rouge. You have Blaze. Like you have options uh, to bring them in. And like you said, we we don't really spend a ton of time. We don't really spend a ton of time to even get to know them. Like no. Knuck, Knuckles had. We 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 know stuff about Knuckles' origins and like about uh, his his family. I mean, the, the, the Archie comics had entire runs about the Echidna civilization. They had that sure whole- did. They had that, that really dark story about the Echidna Holocaust, which is what mm-hmm. resulted in Knuckles being one of the last Echidnas. Echidnas uh, living. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we know all of this, but like you think about Rouge, as you mentioned, she is both, uh, she is both a thief and a spy. She, you know, she kind of operates kind of like Catwoman in DC in that, you kind of don't really know what side she's, she's what on, side she's but, on, but, but it's what. But that's also the intriguing part about her and what makes her interesting, right? Like she did all this in, in, to go to Adventure Two. She did all that stuff with Shadow and Eggman just for her to be to just for you to find out that she's actually working for the government, working for the, the government. She's yeah. the inside person revealing exactly what is going on in an effort to stop him from uh, from from you know. Uh, releasing the eclipse canon and the stuff with the arc and all of that and but by like, the way i just find it sorry, sorry to cut you off but just, oh, i've been ruminating, ruminating on this eggman is definitely elon musk or elon musk <laughs> is definitely eggman because even just when you think about like lost arc the space arc that they oh, had in, in sonic adventure 2 like that's literally spacex and i and i want people to argue with me otherwise that's, like no that's eggman, facts. eggman is literally elon musk the, so the the only the only pushback i'll offer is if given the same story in real life, I don't think Elon Musk would come over to the right side like Eggman did at the end of two. Like he he did his no, part. No, of to course help. not. He did his part to help when when Ark was was barreling towards Earth when Gerald set off uh, set off that um his like his his final plan. You know, right. Eggman at the end kind of came around. I don't think Elon would do that. Oh no, no, Elon wouldn't do he's, that. He's just gonna he's just gonna parade about how smart he is and how, why he wants to terraform Mars and 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 <laughs> and, and all and, and all this stuff. So right. Yeah, um, but I I, I want to mention this one part before we tr- transition to the the final uh, the final part of this. There was a great moment in the IDW comics which kind of cemented that Amy was different. So at the end of the issue, right, Sonic, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, Sonic offers Amy an opportunity. He's like, "Hey, why don't you come with me? Like, we can, you know, we can go from town to town, and we can go do all this, and it'll just be you and me, right?" And he does it in such a way, like. They draw. I'll send you a picture of the of the the panel, but they 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 mm-hmm. show Sonic 
and like like with like the the sun gleaming on him and he's just he has that cool pose and like amy it's like amy looks is looking at him is like damn this nigga look good and it's like and it's like you can and like you can tell like this is like the thing that this is like a thing that she had been wanting for forever sonic is asking her to come with him to be to, to come with him and they can go do whatever they're going to do and you can see for a moment she's like uh, i want to go but then ultimately it's like i want to do this but the resistance needs me more we have a, we have a mission we have things i have things that i need to do so i can't do it right now i feel like the way that they characterized amy back in the 90s and 2000s that version of amy would have been like oh yeah fuck all this you know resistance stuff i would have went with yeah yeah, yeah I'm, right I'm with you. they made her a total pick me yeah and exactly and this version was like i really want this i really want to do this i i want to come with you but you know what I need to go do this. I, there are other things. The resistance need me. We need to continue leading these liberation efforts. We need to, you know, I, th there are things that we need to do. And so, you know, I'll catch you. I'll catch you later. And like, I'm like, wow. Like, I was amazed when I read that because I, I, I almost, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this, who is this Amy Rose? I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with this Amy that has a personality and like feelings and things that like don't revolve around Sonic. This is crazy. And we also have to have a conversation about how um, these um, video games, they're very, these video games, especially the adventure-based ones have a, because again, they're the, a lot of these video games are also made by um, Japanese developers, how they kind of mimic shonen anime, shonen anime and manga, and how the femme characters all have the Sakura Haruno effect where they have so much great potential, but then they essentially become pick and they become annoying. And the, like you can tell that they didn't have any femme writers on the team to write these characters. Because even all. when we talk, even when we talk about Naruto, the, the creator of Naruto even admitted himself that he does not know how to write femme characters at all, which is why um, Sakura was was such a letdown. Why Tsunade was a letdown was a letdown. Why even someone like Conan in the Akatsuki was a letdown. So like. Or they made them a certain way and they never gave them up to had them live up to their full potential. Like some of these characters died before they saw their full potential. Mm -hmm. So like I and even a character like Haku, case of boy, Haku is literally a non-binary character that we have in Naruto. But even the way that they wrote it was very much rooted in transphobia. So mm -hmm. like I going back to the Sonic thing, I just feel like if we're going to have storylines with people who are not men with stories that are primarily centered around men but we are in a space now where we can change that and shift that where we can make it more inclusive and yes sonic can still be the main character but the people around him still need to have fully fledged storylines too and it doesn't need to be um, rooted in tropes oh no i i i agree i agree 110 percent. and honestly that's like the frustrating thing about anime in general um, is is a lot of times, especially with shonen. I'll talk. I'll say shonen specifically because it's not all anime, obviously. But with shonen, that's always a big thing. For is sure. how poorly written the female characters always, almost always tend to be. Almost always because, are. Yes. Because they they generally will fall into like one of several one of several uh, categories. One is they are the friend who is just in love with the main hero like they exist that part. they exist just to be in love with the main hero or they exist as the as the plot device for which the the, the male hero gets to be a hero i.e. she gets kidnapped or she is on the verge of death so mm -hmm. on and so forth and you don't really get much 
about her and who she is outside of him and the other male characters. That he part. just exists so that he can be a hero in this moment. That part. You know, and like that it's it's the it's the first it's the frustrating thing about a ton a ton of shonen. And, and like I like I'm critical about that even with series that I that I do like. Like I love my hero academia, but the women care the, the female characters in that show are not written well. I, not. I, 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 I I I like like I enjoyed that Ochako when we first met her, it seemed like she was gonna be the oh yeah, of course she's in love with Deku because she is just around him all the time because duh. And I like that they didn't go down that route, at least at first, because it was like, oh, no, she's becoming a hero because she needs she wants to do it for her family because her family mm -hmm. is poor. And she has motive. She has a motivation to be a hero that is not just, oh, I see how I see how great Deku is at doing this. And I want to be great just like him, which right. is, which is also not to say that they can't be inspired by like the male characters they're around. But it's okay to let them have stories and other things that don't involve them at all. And it's also okay to have them as main characters too, because we don't even have shown in that. We don't even have shown in that have uh, uh, gender expansive folk or trans folk or or non men. Period. It's, yeah, it's, th that it's are, very rare. Very rare. Very rare. Because I think of um, uh, what's uh, God? I can't think of his name. Uh, this um. What's dude from Hunter Hunter? His sister or his 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 sister? That um, damn it! What's his name? Which one? Um, the black the assassin, hair? assassin, assassin kid. Why am I blanking on his name? It's not go uh, Kilua. Kilua. Kilua, Kilua I was gonna say Kilua. Kilua. Yeah. 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 His like his his younger sister. Like that's a that's a big thing, and uh, um, because I re I remember watch watching that uh, when I watched that for the first time, and. The fact that Kilua was the only person in their family that referred to her by her right pronouns, and that mm. the other members of his family were still like were still saying he, or or, or referring to her as a boy, even mm. though like that wasn't the case. And that was what part of the that was part of the part of the reason that, that I part one of the things that I liked about that like that being part of it because we don't see a ton of that in shonen. We, you know, don't. we don't we don't see that kind of we don't see any of those characters kind of have that respect given to uh trans uh to trans characters that show up when if they show up in anime at all they when, don't because even in naruto haku died yeah and haku died within like an episode like they didn't even get a chance to even exist as a character and that's frustrating and there like, absolutely needs to be more like i i don't I haven't seen Yu Yu Hakusho, but I know that there's a trans character in that that Yusuke fights um, at, at, at some point. And people, I know people have been touting it as some sort of like, uh, some sort of like anti-transphobia thing because Yusuke mm. was like, these hands are rated E for everybody. Um, mm. <laughs> but I mean, we could, we could still stand to see, to, to kind of see more, uh, see more representation. And I, and my hope is with, like with so many, because a, a, a ton of popular shonen now, a lot of it is being written by women, or at least non-men, I should say, because the like the the writer for for uh, Demon Slayer is non-binary, uh, and uses they. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't it, know that. Yeah, a, a lot of people don't. Um, it's and it, but truth it, be told, as a non-binary person, Tanjiro, I could see I, they kind of read non-binary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I could I can actually see that now that I think about it because again, um. 
is is demon slayer my favorite no but like i do like the aesthetic i think the the the, the drawing is great i think this the story has a nice um premise to it and i like how the characters are well represented by different things and i really like mm-hmm. how they're they're personified even down to their outfits yeah, um same. so i i definitely like that aspect i just feel like um demon slayer like most shonen just drags out too long um and I didn't like how they did a movie and then did a season for Mugen Train when they could have just did a movie or or a season. Like I yeah, didn't understand I, why they did all that. I I, re- I really feel like that was that was like a money thing because I, yeah. like, I didn't understand because like they did add extra stuff to the, it over the season, but it was like if you're gonna do Mugen Train as an arc, why didn't you just do it as an arc? But I really think it was just a it was just a money thing because they made so much money off of that film because yeah. that was the highest great great uh, grossing film outside of Japan. Yeah, even it, it surpassed all the Studio Ghibli films. It surpassed mm-hmm. all the Sailor Moon films. It surpassed all the Naruto and, and Dragon Ball films. That is the highest grossing animated yeah. film from Japan ever. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. But yeah, no, I I I agree, and I mean I like I'm I'm with you as far as Demon Slayer. It's not my favorite. I, I I definitely enjoyed it. I, I um it's funny because I've I've um recently did you finish it by the way season two no I did not I I'm I I I just got to Entertainment District so like oh, okay, I, I did not okay. finish it. Okay yeah okay well I won't say but there's there's a fight in the second to last episode it's episode ten mm-hmm. so it was episode seventeen like of the season overall but it's episode ten of the Entertainment Art mm-hmm. that has. Like that's like movie quality animation in an episode. And I've been watching, I've been watching um, like a, a ton, a ton of like reactions to it because I think the dub, the dub of that episode actually just came out last weekend or two weekends ago, um, and so I've been I've just been enjoying people like reacting to it because it's one of it's it's a it's a it's a great thing overall. Um, but I do hope that like with with. Uh, uh, with Demon Slayer being written by someone who's non who's uh, who's non-binary, uh, with several others like the creator of Full Metal Alchemist was a woman. Um, Yo, Full Metal, Al- Full Metal yeah. Alchemist is a classic. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. In fact, you know what? Let's use that as our transition point. All right. Sure. So, so this is a weird cutoff point, but it is the cutoff point for this episode of the Overflow with MC Brooks that I did with Cheyenne. We recorded about two and a half hours worth of content. And as much as I wanted to release the entire thing in one episode, I think it would do much better being cut, being split off into segments. So this is the first half. Make sure you come back next week to check out the remainder of the podcast that we did together, where we talk about anime and a few other subjects as well. And just as a reminder, make sure you go to greatgeekrefuge.com to catch earlier episodes of this podcast, as well as the other podcasts on our network. Make sure you are following Great Geek Refuge on all of our social media. We are Great Geek Refuge on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook, where we have a very active Facebook community. And if you would like to be part of our community, we do have a Patreon, which can, which has, uh, which gives you access uh, to some really dope perks for only a couple bucks a month. So yeah, uh, come check us out, and uh, yeah, make sure you tune in next week for the remainder of the conversation. Peace. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.